Father, we thank you, God, for the spirit of worship that has been in this place, how people have just laid themselves down. They have humbled themselves before your throne, before your cross today, and God, they have humbly worshiped you. I thank you for that. I thank you for the fact that people are willing to, to just say, you know what? The only thing that matters today is Jesus Christ. The only thing that, that causes me to have life today is Jesus Christ. Lord, I praise your name. For the sacrificial spirit of the people that are here, God, to hear your word. God, I pray, Lord, that today, Lord, somebody's life might be changed by the power of your word, that the Holy Spirit working on their lives, God, would, would just continue to rip things out of their life that doesn't belong there. That not only are things removed, but things are put on. This new life that we're called to have, God, today, I pray that we put things on. We just don't take things off, but today we put things on as well. And Lord, that's what your word teaches us, and that's what we're going to see today. And I praise your name for this truth that we're about to dig into. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for choosing to speak to us. I pray that we would listen. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So excited to see so many people here to hear the truth of God this morning. If you're actually here just for the worship, please don't tell me about it. I believe that this is an important time of worship as we dig into God's Word as well. I know that the band is awesome, and uh, we, we used to have uh, some heat issues up here. So if it's, if it's 55 degrees out there, and I apologize for that, but up here it's like 112, so uh, we used to have some real heat issues, and that's one of the reasons why we put the, the white front on the church where it says, come as you are, leave changed. It's a really cool logo, it is, but the real reason we put that up there is because we had so much heat beating in through those windows, and it was heating up this curtain right here, and it was like, it was so hot back here where they had to stand, and I used to tell people that we had the hottest band in Calhoun County, so um, they're a lot cooler now, so now they're the coolest band in Calhoun County, you can tell everybody that, Um, but we are so thankful that we do have the spirit of worship that we have in this place, and I am just tickled to death. Um, this series that we've been in in Colossians 3, I really feel like it's important for us as a church to recognize how we're supposed to be as a church, um, how we're supposed to live our lives. You see, I mean, we understand a lot about the, the, the life that God has called us to live in that we are a new creation in Christ, but I think that we need some tangible things that we can hang on to that we need to be taught about what that looks like. You know, like day to day, what am I supposed to do? I understand, you know, that, 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 that I, I'm a new creation in Christ and that is great and that is wonderful. And I rejoice in that fact that I will spend eternity with Christ in his presence one day when I pass from this life to the next. But I need to know like day to day, what am I supposed to do? Like you ever ask yourself that question, what am I supposed to do? So we dig into God's word, and, and, and what we see there is we're supposed to be a lot like us and a lot more like Jesus. Now, let me, let me put your mind at ease for just a second. You won't ever be Jesus, all right? You're not going to live a sinless life. You're not going to be the, the, the perfect person. That's not going to happen, okay? Um, if that were to happen, then you would have been Jesus. I mean, like you would be the only sinless person besides Jesus to live. The only, there's only been one that was sinless, and that was Jesus Christ. And that's why he was the perfect sacrifice for all of us. It's because he was sinless. Because, because he was the one that, that, could, that could pay our penalty for our sin because he was sinless. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's the way that God worked it out, that he had to put the punishment on the one that was sinless to pay the penalty for the ones who had sinned, and that was all of us. 
And so we need to know on a day-to-day basis, well, what am I, okay, so I'm a new creation, I got this new life, what am I supposed to look like now? All right, well, I'm going to give you an example this morning. Um, Some of you like to work outside, okay? When I say work outside, some of you like to dig in a garden, some of you like to cut grass, some of you like to weed eat, which I don't understand why anybody would like to weed eat, but there are some people that really enjoy that. It just makes me sneeze. But some people like to weed eat, and they, they, like, they like their landscaping and all this kind of stuff, and that's great, and that's wonderful, and I need you to come work on my yard. But, like, I'm not a big fan of that, but I, I do it, okay? Like, like, my wife tends to enjoy that kind of thing. I mean, when it comes springtime and and like cold weather's gone, we got to plant something. I don't know why that is, but we got to go to Lowe's and spend a bunch of money. And I'm just stressing out. I'm like, I don't think that we need that many plants. Like, what are we going to do with it all? Can we get stuff that'll come back next year so we don't have to do this again? You ever had that? Like, I, I want to get something. What? I go to the Lowe's guy. What's going to come back next year? I, I want something that, so I don't have to do this as much. And you know what happens next year? We dig up all that stuff because it ain't no good. We don't like those flowers. We got to have new flowers, right? Obviously, this is the Kenny eternal struggle right here, right? Like every springtime. I know what's coming. It's like flowers. We got to plant flowers. Anyway, so you know when you go digging out in the yard, like, or, or, or weed eating or cutting grass or whatever, you know that smell you got? You know, everybody's like, yeah, I know that smell. Yeah, like you've been riding a lawnmower for, for 20 hours, you know what I mean? You smell a little bit of... A little bit of gasoline, a little bit of sweat, a little bit of pollen is kind of all mixed in there together. You know, that, that, that smell you got. Do you go to dinner like that? I mean, do you, when, when it's time to go to struts to eat dinner after you've been working out in the yard all day long, is that, you like, man, I love this grass, sweat, pollen smell, gasoline, lawnmower, weed eater smell. I love that. Let's, that's my new cologne. Ode to weed eater. You know what I mean? Like it's... Good stuff. That's how I'm going to go to struts and eat my dinner. No, you don't do that, right? What do you do? You go and, and hopefully, you know, everybody takes a shower naked because I don't want it to be awkward. But anyway, so you go and you take all your clothes off and then you get in the shower and you wash off and you, you're clean and then you put new clothes on, right? And, and like you feel like you're a new person, right? You got that fresh, fully clean kind of smell going on, you know what I mean? Zestfully clean, not fresh, fully clean. Zestfully clean. So you're like, man, I'm a new man. You know what I mean? And, and like, if you go to a wedding, what is the thing that everybody says? Oh, you clean up pretty well, right? Like, that's what they say. Well, it's a lot better. It's just a different feeling, man, when you're all clean and you, you take off the old stuff and you put on the new. And, and, and this is the picture that, that Paul is trying to give us here when he's talking to the Colossian church. He's trying to tell them, man, You got some old stuff, like the way you used to behave, the things you used to do before Christ, before you gave him everything and said, you know what, I'm a new creation in Christ because I've given up all the old stuff and now I'm a new creation in Christ. So Paul says, yes, we take off and we talked about what that looks like uh, last week a little bit, the taking off, you know, all the old things, all the bitterness, the anger, the malice, all that kind of garbage that kind of weighs you down and and you take all that off and, and then you got to put on new too, right? You can't just take off because I, I don't want y'all going to struts naked, right? So you got to, you, you can't just take off. You got to put on, right? And I think that sometimes this is where we miss the boat a little bit. And some of you say, well, Kenny, that's your, your fault because you preach so hard. But sometimes we focus a lot on the taking off and the, the fact that we need to get rid of some stuff in our life. And that is true that we do. And God's word really helps us to do that. As we look at God's word and what it says, 
It really shows us how to do that, how to get rid of the old stuff. How, man, this is the life we're supposed to live. So it also shows us how to put on new, right? A, a fresh, clean set of clothes that we're supposed to wear. And what does that look like, man? I, I want to know more about what that looks like. So, so today we're going to be talking about the putting on of the new and, and kind of what that looks like in our life. And, and when we take that shower... And when we, we, we get ready to, all right, now we got to pick out what we're going to wear, man. You got that new shirt hanging in your closet. It's still got the folds from where you just bought it at the store. You know what I mean? I, I don't know why, but my wife says you got to wash that before you wear it. I'm like, they just made that. I don't, I don't, it should be clean, right? Why do I got to wash that before I wear it? My mama used to say that too. You can't wear just new clothes. I said, I'll just put an iron on it. I'll get those creases out and I'll wear it. Right? Am I right? Man, that's, it's weird how divisive that is to people. Like, you can't wear that before you wash it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I can. It's new, man. And, and, and some of us are really obsessive like me. And this, I'm going off on a tangent here. But some of us um, want to wear it a couple of times before you ever wash it. Because it's got, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Willie? <laughs> Willie's done that before. <laughs> Willie's done that before. You, you don't want the new off of it, do you? You want it to be new, so you, you iron it again, right? And you hang it up so it don't stink, right? Ain't that right? Yeah, how many times you wore it? That's probably a brand new shirt. You wore it three times, hadn't you? <laughs> it's so weird how you'll be standing up here, and you'll see the Lord speaking to people, you know, and they're like, i got to confess this. <laughs> I've worn this shirt three times because it's new. You don't want that. I know, man. This is a new shirt, by the way. I just got this shirt. They won't see it again for a couple of weeks, but I probably won't wash it between now and then. I'm just saying, because I'm going to keep the new on it. So don't feel bad. I got you, brother. Yeah, I'm your pastor. Anyway, so it, you got to put on the new. You can't just take off the old. You got to put on the new. We talked about taking off the old a good bit last week. Let's talk about putting on the new and what that looks like. In Colossians chapter 3, let's look at what it says in verse 12. Oh, wait. Wait, I want, I want to tell you something. Wait, can we, I, I want to just share something with you right here. Um, this is how we're supposed to behave as a church, right? Did you know there's another passage that talks about how we're supposed to behave as a church? There's a lot of passages that talk about how we're supposed to behave as a church. Let me see if you've ever heard this one before. I'm going to read this to you. Brett, you can hold off on just a second, putting that up on the screen, but... Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, it keeps no record of being wrong, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures every circumstance. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? You hear that at every single wedding, don't you? Everybody's talking about love is patient, love is kind. Do you know what that's talking about? If we read in... And just back up one, uh, one chapter in Colossians, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some parts God has appointed for the church. Did you know that that's talking about the church? So when you read that passage, do you hear the church in there? Don't read it in the context of a wedding ceremony. We Read it in... The context of a church body, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins. Love never gives up. 
never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures every circumstance. Can you imagine if the church behaved like that? I mean, we have a tough time imagining husband and wives behaving like that, but can you imagine the church behaving like that? Love is patient, love is kind, love endures. It's hopeful, we rejoice in truth. I mean, that's, that's a picture of what a church is supposed to be like. That's the picture of what, when I say the church, let me help you understand that I'm not just talking about a simple church. I'm talking about believers in Christ Jesus, people that walk with God on a daily basis. That's how we're supposed to behave towards one another because as we read last week, the main purpose is the fact that we, that we are all in Christ and Christ is all that matters. He lives in all of us is what it says at the end of verse 11. Christ is what matters. If you're a Christian, then you'll be kind and you'll be patient and you'll forgive because Christ is all that matters. And that's what we're talking about today. So as we get a running start to this in verse 11, I want you to see that Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. And that's where we ended last week. And now in verse 12, we see, since God chose you to be holy people, he loves. You must clothe yourselves in tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Oh, man, that's, that's a lot of clothes to put on, right? That's like, that's like shorts and a shirt and, t- and, and a jacket and a hat and like I, kindness and, 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 man, gentleness and humility and patience. and whew, That's a lot of clothes to put on, isn't it? That's a lot of stuff to be wearing. In reality, though, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It says, since God chose you to be holy. Now, what, what does holy mean? I, now, some people get really hung up on that word chose. God chose you. And, and somebody will say, well, did I choose God or did God choose me? If you can figure that out, let me know because you're Jesus, okay? So uh, I, I just want you to be clear on that that, 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 that your perspective on that, whether God chose you or you chose him and, and where you fall in that whole spectrum, I don't really care, to be honest with you. All that matters to me is that if you're a Christ follower and you love Jesus, and that's all I really care about. If you want to get up and argue about that all day long and spend hours and hours at 2 a.m. arguing about whether you chose God or God chose you, I don't care. I'm probably not going to stay up with you. I'm probably going to bed. But it says, since God chose you to be holy people, because you are one of Christ, God chose you to be a holy people. All right? So, so if you belong to Jesus, you're called to be holy. Now, what does that word holy mean? Everybody thinks, well, well that means that, that, that you do everything right, right? If you're a holy person, then you do everything right. That's not what that means. That's not what the word holy means. Holy does not mean righteous. Everybody, everybody gets those confused. and They say, well, righteous means holy. Then holy means righteous. No, they don't mean the same thing. Holy means set apart. Literally, in the Greek, that's what it means. It means set apart. It means to be completely unique. And when you talk about God being holy, you talk about the fact that he is completely unique. He is completely different from anything else you can possibly imagine in your whole mind. He is completely unique. Therefore, he is holy. So God has called you not to be righteous. God has called you to be set apart. That's what this passage is talking about, that you are to be set apart. That you're not supposed to be like everybody else. Oh, wait. You mean if I'm a Christ follower, I'm not going to be like everybody else? Yes. Are people going to make fun of you for the fact that you're not like everybody else? Yes. Are people going to poke fun at you for reading your Bible? Yes. Are people going to poke fun at you for the fact that that you choose not to drink? Yes. Are people going to make fun of you for... For choosing to, to speak a different way and act a different way, yes, they're going to make fun of you. You know why? Because people like to make fun of those that are different. 
Am I right? So uh, the, there's, a, there's a song that, that says that basically this, that, that thing, everything stays the same even since high school. That nothing's really changed since high school, right? And you know that's true, that, and that's a secular song. It's not a Christian song, but uh, it, it, just says, it just says high school never ends is what it's called. And basically that, that, you know, the world is just like high school in a lot of ways. We, we try to make fun of or pick on or, or, or look down upon those that, that don't really fit in, the, you know, the, the weird guys that don't really have a clique that they, they, they fall into. Which, by the way, I'm proud to say that the dudes I hung around with, they didn't care, man. It didn't matter what skin color you had. It didn't, we were all outcasts, and, and I think that God has, has kind of carried that over into Simple Church. So if you're looking for outcasts, you just, all you got to do is look around you. We're all a bunch of freakazoids up in here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Willie's raising his hand. <laughs> hey, don't let them tell you you got to wash that shirt. You be a freak like me, all right? We ain't going to wash our shirt, man. At least three times when it's new, you know? And, and I mean, like, like that's, that's, I mean, God has called you to be weird. I mean, that's what it says. That's what it says. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, God has called you to be weird. I mean, did you ever think that that was in there? Probably not, right? But that's what it says. God's called you to be set apart, He's called you to be holy. The people that he loves. Now, one thing you can't get past the fact that he loves you, man. He, he loves you. I mean, when you're sitting there doubting about whether, whether you matter to God at all, remember that he loves you. I forget this all the time. You need to be reminded of this today is that God loves you. You're one of the people that he loves. You ever forget that? You ever feel like, man, I'm just... I'm no good, nobody cares, my life doesn't matter, I'm just a pawn in this great big world, and they're like, there's this infinite universe, and I'm just a grain of sand. Yeah, you may be just a grain of sand, but think about this, that the God of the universe loves that grain of sand that you are. So much so that he knows the number of hairs on your head, he knows every sin that you've committed, and he knows whether or not you follow him or not, he knows whether or not you love him or not, and he cares deeply about you. You may, you may feel small and insignificant, but he is eternal, and he expands beyond time and space and anything that we can comprehend, and he loves us. He loves us. He loves his people, and he calls us to be set apart because he loves us, man. Because he loves us, he calls us to be different. And then, okay, so this is all good that, that God does all this stuff, and then it says, oh, but then it's got, it's got a you in there. I wish it would have just said God does this or God does something else. But then it's got a you in there. Y-O-U. That means I got to own something. I'm not really crazy about the whole idea when it says you. Because that means, hey, Kenny, wake up. It's a big red arrow right here. And it's pointing straight out of the page right back at me. It says you. You. So you got a responsibility. Is God completely sovereign? That's that word that means that he's in control of everything. So if he's in control of everything, shouldn't I just sit back and cross my arms and go, well, God's got this all. I don't have to do anything. I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to just be me and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. No, it doesn't really work like that. Because God uses us, we know that. Okay, so if he uses us, if he's going to use something that's, a, that's made out of flesh, then there's probably got to be, there's got to be some ownership there by the people that are made out of flesh and, 
That's exactly what happens in God's word. Is that, that there's this whole idea between God being in total control and us having responsibility to do some stuff on our own. So it says you, you must. It doesn't say you might ought to. You, you, you should have. In a little while, think about it. It says you must clothe yourselves with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I got to be nice, y'all. I got to be not, I gotta, I, not, just, not just nice. I, I got to be kind. And I got to have humil- humility. Do you know that this really, I mean, they, there wasn't even a word in the Greek for humility. Do you know that? We have to kind of twist things a little bit to understand humility because humility was not things that, something that was ever embraced in Jesus' day. I mean, these are people who are trying to survive. And when they were trying to survive, they were like taking care of themselves. And number one is who was important. And Jesus brings along this new concept of humility. Being humble, uh, allowing other people to go in front of you, allowing other people to be first while you're last. And, and like that wasn't even a concept that they really got in a lot of ways. It was a pretty foreign concept that humility would be a virtue. For them, it was like, if you're last, dude, you're last. You're a loser. We got these, these, these games we play so that we can see who's going to be first and who's going to be last. And Jesus comes along. He says, if you want to be first, then you got to be last. And it just rocked their whole world. It shook everything up. And in our lives, it shakes things up too, doesn't it? When you think about your life. And how you're supposed to live. And you want to take care of number one. And then Jesus comes along and says, you know what? you got to push everybody else to the top. And you got to remain down here. You know why that happens? Is because we have to recognize where we came from. We have to recognize the low, terrible, awful condition that we were in. And we say, you know what? I'm going to try my best to push them to the top and show them what I, what I began to learn about Jesus Christ. And we get down there and we humble ourselves. And we try to push them and say, man, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to get closer to him. I want you to experience what I have experienced. And once you do that, once you get close to Jesus, and once you have that moment where you awaken to who you really are in Christ Jesus, once you really see your sin for what it is, then what will happen immediately, you will come down again and be humbled before God as he rescues your soul. You will be rescued because you are humble. And you'll want to take other people and push them to the top so that they might be able to get close to Jesus and see Jesus for who he really is. You know why? Because at that point when they see who they really are and they see who Christ is and what he has done, they'll become humble so they can push somebody else to the top. And it's this continual process. It's this continual process. Gentleness, patience. Oh man, I don't like that word. Everybody take a marker and mark out patience. I could probably ask people in this room to raise your hand if you think that I'm patient. But I'm not going to do that. Because some of you, most of you know me really well. And you know that patience is something I struggle with. I'm kind of an antsy person. Have you noticed that about me? I kind of move my hands a lot when I talk and... I'm not really super duper patient, right? That's, that's true about me. I admit that. But what, what I, I will say that what Christ has done in me, what God has shaped and molded about me is that, that when it comes to dealing with people, I try to be very patient. Okay? Now, I will get up here and I will speak boldly about people that, that proclaim something that is not true. 
You know, when, when they claim a prosperity gospel or some of this other garbage that isn't true about God's word, you better believe I'm going to get fired up and I'm going to scream and I'm going to yell and I'm going to tell you at the top of my lungs that they are wrong and they are not teaching the truth of God's word. But if it were to come down to dealing with one of those people one-on-one and trying to encourage them towards the truth of God, I promise you I would be patient with them. I would sit down and I would hold them by the hand and I would say, you are not doing it the right way. That is not what God's word says. And there are people that bring all kinds of junk to me and they want to sit down, they want to talk. And, and I'm, like, I'm like, it's okay that you want to confess this to me, but we're not Catholic. You can go and you can talk to Jesus about this and I will hold your hand and we will go and we will talk to Jesus about this. And you don't have to worry about me looking down on you because of some stuff you've done in your life. And I try my best, y'all. I try my best to be so patient with people. You know why? You know why? Because I, I, I want to kind of push them towards Jesus so they might be able to see him and see his great mercy and great love. And then, you know what will happen is they will become patient with somebody else once they get close to Jesus, once they understand more and more about who he is. Then they will reach somebody else and say, come to Jesus. And they'll be, they'll be patient. They'll be patient with those people. And it comes to, to patience a lot of times when it, when it has to do with salvation. And I just want to grab somebody by the hand and drag them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But it doesn't work like that. You have to be patient with them. You have to see them where they are and try your best to reach them in the condition that they're in. And, and you have to be patient with them. Now it says something even worse than just being patient. Verse 13 says, i got to make room for people to mess up. I may get everybody to stand up who's perfect in here. I would say that, but I'm afraid somebody might stand up and be like, that's me. He called me out. I got to stand up. So it says in verse 13, it says, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive uh, anyone who offends you. I wish it would have said some people that offend you, but it says anyone who offends you. We got to make a little room, all right? So, so if, if you're sitting on top of somebody today because the chairs are so squished together, then you kind of feel what I'm saying right here. But, but you have to, to make a little room because people are going to go from one side to the other a little bit, okay? When, 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 when you see somebody swerving all over the road and stuff, that's one thing because they're texting and driving. But when, when you see somebody that, that's way over and, and like, you got to make a little room. Imagine if the road's had lines that were just as wide as the car. Do you imagine how scary that would be when you pass somebody going down the road? And they, I mean, like your mirrors are like that close together, you know? That'd be terrifying, right? But what do we have to do on the roadways? We have to make a little room. We have to make some concessions that people aren't always going to drive perfectly straight all the time. So in our lives, we have to recognize that that's true too about people. It's, 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 so what, what's weird about this is people that we love and we care about deeply, we expect them to drive straighter than everybody else, don't we? Like, like you're not supposed to mess up because I need you to drive perfectly straight. I need, you, I need you to have lanes that are just as wide as your car because we don't need you to mess up. You've got to dr- drive perfectly straight. And the closer they are to you, the more perfect you expect them to be. But God's word says this. He says that, that you've got to make a little room. You've got to make some wiggle room for people because you know why? People are they're full, of, full of faults. They're, they're, they're messed up. They're imperfect. There was only one that was perfect, and we talked about him. People are not perfect, and they're going to mess up, and they need some wiggle room. And you need some wiggle room, too, because we want our, our lanes to be wide. 
When I was driving in Boston, Massachusetts, I remember one of the things that the roads, man, they, they twisted and winded and, and there were buildings in the way and all this kind of garbage. And I'm like, man, but the, the worst part about it was the stinking lanes are so narrow. Like they were made for horse and buggy. They weren't made for like an Impala, you know? I mean, they were made like so narrow. And I was like, I'm, I'm sweating driving through Boston because the lanes are so narrow. I wanted to have wide lanes for me. We could squish everybody else together in their lanes, but I wanted wide lanes. And that's the way we look at at our faults is we want people to forgive us so easy. Man, you shouldn't hold that against me. You should forgive me. I didn't mean to. That's not what I meant. And we want people to forgive us so easily. But when it comes to us forgiving them, man, we want them to have narrow lanes in them. They have to walk the straight path and they can't ever mess up. When it comes to the church, Listen to me. we got to have wide lanes. And we got to recognize that everybody is going to mess up. And the person sitting next to you, they're going to mess up. And it may be your wife. It may be your best friend. It may be a leader. They're going to mess up. And they're going to need some room. We, we must make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. It doesn't say just some people. Does this mean that you got to forgive your pastor if he offends you? I finally found something I like out of this passage after all. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're a pastor. You, you, you're supposed to know what this book says. You mean you're going to make mistakes? You doggone right I'm going to make mistakes. You mean you're going to offend me? You doggone right I'm going to offend you. If I haven't offended you yet, you just ain't been around long enough. And you said, well, you're going to offend me with the word of God. No, I'm going to make mistakes, and I'm going to say something stupid to you. That's what I'm talking about. And some people are like, well, he offended me. I ain't going back to that church. Well, you should go to a church where you're never going to be offended. I don't know what church that is or if they have a pastor, but you should go to that church. Because I promise you, if you come here, and you come here long enough, and I get to know you, I'm probably going to offend you at some point in time. And I'm probably going to look at you in the eye and say something really, really dumb. Look, some of y'all ain't got a smile so big, okay? I'm looking around the room. There's some people like, yeah, doggone. Man, he... I remember that one time. And more than likely, I'm going to offend you or the person you love is going to offend you at just the wrong time. You know what I mean? Like it's, gonna be, it's, it's exactly when you don't need it, Right? Like it's when you're hurting, when you're in that deep place of despair and you're like, man, I just need the pastor to say some encouraging word. And the pastor comes up and goes, wow, where did you get that hat? You know, like I've never seen one like that, you know. And you're like, man, I just needed an encouraging word today, but instead you got offended. And some people will walk away and let me tell you, you got to make some room, y'all. We all got to make some room for each other's faults. Sitting next to each other today, you need to think about the person sitting next to you that you've got to make some room for them to mess up because it's going to happen. It's gonna, until we all get to heaven and we get away from this flesh, it's going to happen and we're all going to mess up. Why do we have to do that? Because remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You, you know what, what God's Word says, basically? It says, God can't forgive you unless you can forgive other people. 
That's what it says. It says, you know, if you want to be an instrument of the forgiveness of God, if you want to be a recipient of the forgiveness of God, then you've got to be willing to forgive other people. You want to be Christ-like, well, be like Christ, which is to offer forgiveness to people that don't deserve it. You have to be willing to forgive if you want to be a recipient of forgiveness. And over and over again, you see this message in God's word that we have to forgive. In particular, as believers, we have to be able to forgive one another. It says this. I'm not going to be much longer. You can rest easy knowing I'm not going to preach for an hour and a half today. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Man, if I could wear those clothes, if I could purchase those from Target, you know. Clothe yourself with love. Clothe yourself with love. Put on love. Imagine this the next time you're getting dressed and you got, just got out of the yard and you feel all filthy and dirty and nasty and you stink to high heaven and like you're just, you're taking that shower and you're going out to eat and think about, man, what if I put on love? What if before I come into this church on Sunday morning, because everybody gets, you know, they, it, I don't think anybody comes in here stinking, sometimes we do, but when you put on the, the good clothes and, and the shirt that you've worn three times before you washed it, you know, think about that, putting on love before you come in here. Because love is what binds us all together, right? Well, what binds us all together? The love of Christ, right? Like, like Christ loved us. So therefore, as instruments of love, we're supposed to be able to love one another, give each other some room. We recognize who Christ is and how he forgave us. So if we're truly going to be instruments of that love, then we got to put on love. Yeah, we got to take off all that garbage that separates us from Christ and, and, and keeps us from understanding what God's called us to and the life that he's, he's chosen for us to live. And, and we have to take all that stuff off, but we also have to put on love. You know what this means? Uh-oh, I'm about to offend some people here. This means that you have to talk to people that you don't even know. I know, right? There's some people who are like, no, mm -mm, I'm leaving this church. This means when somebody comes in the door that you don't know, you're supposed to treat them with love. You know why? You know why? Because you are supposed to be able to humble yourself and get low to the point where it doesn't matter what you feel. What matters is how they feel. Which is to say that we're supposed to be less like us and more like Jesus. My dream, my hope. I've always, like, you know, you always, as a pastor, you always think about, man, if you could have anything. If you could have anything in the world, where would you start? What would be the My hope and my dream would be that so that the people would go on youth camp summer trips or whitewater rafting trips and never ask who else is going. Never ask, I don't know, who, who's going? You want to go to summer camp with us? And the first question they ask is, who else is going, right? My hope, my dream, my passion would be that, you know what? They would say, you know what? In this church, it don't matter who's going because I know if I go, I'm going to be loved. Because this is a church. This is a group of believers that believe that love is the most important thing. And loving people that feel unlovable is the most important thing. 
That would be my hope and my dream is that if I could just, just have people say, you know what, I don't care who's going. What matters most is I, I'm just going to be in a group of people that are going to love. That would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing. And people would never go out of this church on a Sunday morning feeling unloved. But they would come, they would, the people would ask them, well, how did, how did church service go? Was the pastor okay? Well, he stunk. Was the worship good? Yeah, it was good. But I tell you what, the people love me. If you talk about the reason why people will come back to, to a body of believers, it's because they feel loved. If they feel loved, I promise you, I promise you, if you want to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then love them. Love them. If you genuinely want them to hear the word of God and it to penetrate their hearts, then set the table by you loving them as they come into this place. Now, I know that it's weird and it's awkward and you don't like to, to shake hands with people you don't know. But you're called to be set apart. You're called to be holy. You're called to be different. You're called to be a weirdo. So go be a weirdo. Go be a freak. Because I tell you what, when you love people, when they feel unlovable, I promise you they're going to look at you like you're weird. But that's exactly the life that God has called us to live. That's exactly the life that God has called us to live. It binds us in perfect harmony. Now here's where we're going to wrap up. Today in, in Colossians chapter 3 verse 15, it says this. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. This is what it says. And let the peace that comes from Christ. So, so when you want to be more like Christ and less like yourself, you know who you have to lean into? You have to lean into Christ. When, when you feel weird and you feel uncomfortable and you feel like, man, I just can't do this. You know who you have to lean into? You have to lean into Christ. Because I guarantee you, when, when, the, the, when death comes knocking at the door and somebody you love and somebody you care for has just passed away, or somebody you know is, is struggling from an illness, or you've got a child that has gone away and, and has abandoned your whole family and wants nothing to do with you anymore, I promise you, you'll want the peace of God then. You'll beg God. You'll get down on your face before God and say, God, give me peace. My question for you is this, is if you want to be more like Jesus and less like yourself, will you get on your face before God and say, God, I pray that you would give me that peace when it feels weird when I go up and hug somebody's neck that I don't even know and I want to show them the love of Christ. The love of Christ has bonded us together. And because of that, I want these people to recognize the love of Christ. Will you seek God's peace in that situation? Will you ask God to give you that peace to do what is uncomfortable? To be able to reach out to people that desperately need the love of Christ and to love them. Will you seek God in that? Will you seek God and say, God, not only do I want you to give me peace when, when things are awkward, when things seem weird. But I want you to, to make me weirder. I want you to make me more set apart. I want you to make me more holy, more unique, more like you and less like myself. Because the more you get like Jesus, the more holy you will be. Let the peace of God rule and reign in our lives. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And this is what it says. God, you've called me to take stuff off. You've called me to throw away the things that are going to separate me from you and not live in this resurrected life that you've called me to live. 
And you're calling me to put this stuff on, this, this new clothes, this new creation. I'm supposed to behave more like Christ and less like me. You're calling me to do all these things. And the last thing it says here is be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful that God has called you to this resurrected life. You know why? You know why we're supposed to be thankful? Because you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. You've been forgiven, and you know this peace that we're talking about. You have been forgiven. So do whatever you can to humble yourself, to be gentle, to be kind, to push yourself closer to, to push them closer to Jesus as you humble yourself. Be thankful. If you're truly thankful, if you're truly thankful for what God has done in your life, you know what you will do? You will grab those people that feel unloved and unlovable, people that have offended you, the people that have hurt you the most, and you will love them to Christ and say, I want you to experience what I've experienced through the love of Christ. And you're going to look weird for doing that, but you can do it because you're thankful for the forgiveness that he gave you. Today, will you do one of two things? Will you either commit your life to putting on new clothes, to taking off? And in either one of those situations, will you be thankful? Will you rejoice in the fact that he has given you peace and he's called you to a life of peace? And today, today you can be thankful for that? Think about what Jesus has done for you. And are you willing to be like Jesus? Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this precious word. But God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you so much for your son that gives us peace. God, your son that took the the penalty that we all deserve. Your son that was beaten, bruised, and, and his flesh torn off his body. God, we all deserve that punishment because of our sin, because of the things that we've done against you. But God, you chose to forgive us. You chose us to give, a, to give us a new life, a life of peace, a life that we don't deserve. God, I pray that we would look around at each other that way. That as believers, we'd all see that we're part of this one body. We're all members of one body. And God, we all need some room to forgive. I pray that we would love each other. God, I pray that we would be different than the whole world. The whole world, the whole world, is, is, it just seems to be torn apart. The people are doing everything they can to get to the top, to push everybody else aside so that they can be number one. I pray that we would not be people like that. That we would be people like Jesus. People that humble themselves and willing to sacrifice everything for somebody else. God, and if we haven't been like that, then God, we haven't been truly thankful. So, Lord, today, I pray that you would put on the hearts and the minds of the people in this room, people that that have been offended, and they need to forgive, and they need to forgive anyone. And there's someone they don't want to forgive, God, I pray that they would forgive them today. Lord, I pray that their hearts would be set free and they would live in peace as one body in Christ. God, this is your time as we respond to you. So be glorified. God, as we lay down at this altar things in our lives that need to die and as we take away God to put back on we clothe ourselves with love Lord Jesus speak to your people right now in Jesus name amen would everyone stand